Fast am I, and welcome to another edition of Spotlight. I'm Christy Dehaven. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. On the programme this evening, beautifully coloured basking sharks are taking over Port Erin tile by tile. School's out at Kensington Arts Centre as the team celebrates LGBT plus History Month with a queer artisan market. And the lads from the Clever Shirts have reformed after 35 years and are back in the studio. Don't forget, we love to hear about your artistic endeavours. You can email us spotlight at manxradio.com. First of all tonight, basking sharks are heading back to Port Erin. But not in the way you might think. It was rather an emotional moment at the Port Erin train station recently when I dropped by to witness the unveiling of some very special art. That is the sound of beautifully coloured tiles, which I know you can't see, but I will share a photo. Beautifully coloured tiles coming out of a box and they are being seen for the first time by some very excited people across the table from me. But it's artist Eve Adams who is taking the tiles out of the box. I have to say, Eve, every time I speak to you or see you somewhere, you're doing something entirely different. I know people know you from your dioramas. You're very much into community events as well. Your work is in so many different formats and different mediums. Have you done things like this before? Uh, This is the first large-scale ceramics-type project I've done, I suppose. It's a bit like the fairy doors in Ballycastlebeg, but um, it's definitely more in-depth and more specific. the ladies from the Port Erin Traders Association came to me with ideas about sharks hiding around town and famous namesakes who have passed there in Port uh, Erin past and present even. Um, and we just tried to tie it all together into something like a cohesive project and this is what we've come up with. So yeah, this is the newest community project that I've been involved with and certainly the biggest ceramic-based project I've ever done. <laughs> How many tiles are there? There's 48 at the moment and a couple of special secret ones. Oh, I love special secret ones. Okay, let's come to the ladies on the other side of the table. I'm just going to get you to introduce yourselves for me. Okay, yourself then. <laughs> I'm Julie Goldie and I'm a part of Port Aaron Traders and I run the Whistle Stop coffee shop at the railway station. This is a very special day for you in the station, isn't it? Seeing these tiles. When you started taking these out of the box, you were so excited. Absolutely. Um, I had a vision oh, probably two years ago to try and get the kids in the village more interested in where they live, who's lived here before them. And obviously, we have basking sharks in the bay every summer, so um, the idea came that it would be really good if we could do something similar to the the fairy doors in Castletown, um, but use people that we've had in the village and try and create this basking shark trail for the kids to follow. It was Mary Beth, I think, from Forage and Vintners that suggested Eve. Um, so we went to Eve and basically said, is this something you could help us with? And through lots of conversations and meetings and things, the idea, um, what I had envisaged, is absolutely 100% sitting on this table. <laughs> I cannot believe how spot on this is. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. I really am. Really, really am. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, Julie, and the tiles are so beautiful. Just describe what we're looking at here. Basically, they are ceramic tiles and they've all got a little shark on them with really, really brightly coloured. 
all with a name on them. So that name is somebody who has lived past, yeah, most, mostly past, I think, but all have a connection to the village historically or through businesses or just characters, some of our characters in general. And there's little um, borders around each tile which are relevant to the maps. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love how excited you are. This is such a special project because it does tie absolutely into the Port Erin community for all the reasons that you're talking about. So just explain them for the kids. How will that actually work? Well, basically, we've got already got three existing heritage trails in the village and they're in a booklet that will be reprinted this year. But this one specifically is aimed at kids and families. So they go off with their map, they will find either the first trail, take pod one with them, and they will go and find out um, from the map where they can find the tiles. And then on the back of the map, there's a little bit of historical information about the person on the tile. So they can find out about people who've lived here and who've helped Port Erin become what it is now, really. And how were the people chosen? Basically, we went through the walking trail. Um, there's lots of people connected to the village in that trail historically. Um, and then we sat back and did a little bit more because that walking trail is quite a few years old and probably needs updating anyway. Um, and then we found lots of other people along the way um, that you know have had connections to the village. So they've all been added in and. As we go on, we can progress the trails in the future with special tiles. Um, we can do um, occasion events, so we could do something at Halloween, we can do something at Easter, and then eventually, I think we're hoping to go down the conservation route and look at you know, how the, the sharks fit in, why they come to the bay, so that kids can learn more about what we have in the bay as well from a conservation point of view. Because that's the thing, as you said, that ties in really well to Port Erin as well. And to be fair, because the numbers have been somewhat less over the past year or so, this might be the best way of seeing a basking shark this year. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. definitely, yeah. You never know. It just might be. <laughs> they might come to see the tiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us, how long have, uh, have the children got to take part in this trail? Then? Is there a time limit no. on it? Or? No, they can just pick, a, pick one pod up and go on one day, come back next week. There's no time limit at all. You just take your pod and off you go and do it as and whenever in your own time. And how long will the tiles be around for? Uh, hopefully permanently. Yeah. <laughs> there's no reason. Once they're attached, there's no reason really for them to, to get moved. They're there permanently. So can you give us any kind of clues at all as to what sort of areas we might or places we might find these tiles in, Eve? Uh, well, there's three pods uh, planned. Two uh, are ready to go now. And the third one might be ready to go by our launch event, which is on the 19th, or we might be following with that one later. Um, pod one focuses on the kind of shopping area, I suppose you'd call it. Pod two goes down to the promenade and up along to the old... Uh, does it go as far as long as the biological centre? Yeah. I do have a map yeah. that could tell me that. Um, and pod three will be more focused on the Bradder end of the village. Um, but no, I can't specifically tell you where they'll be. That, that would be, uh, that's a secret. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. And the thing I love about these as well is I think kids are going to see these and probably be inspired to get creative themselves, aren't they? I hope so. Well, at our launch event on the 19th, which that's in the train station, Port Erin train station, we'll also have some creative activities there to give that a kickstart. There'll be some free colouring in sheets and a colouring competition. 
and I'll be there doing basking shark related crafts as well. Um, and that'll be a first opportunity to come and grab the map leaflets. So if everyone wants to come along, then they can get creative, grab a map and get outside. And this is exactly the sort of thing that you're really fond of, aren't you? Because you are really big on the whole sort of uh, community creative art for wellbeing, aren't you? Yes, I am. That's something that I really... That's, that's kind of how I started out. Um, I like doing trails and secrets and things that get people out and about and get creative at the same time. I just want to ask about a couple of the names because they're fascinating. Trustrum, Clugston, Dukes. I mean, these are not average names really are they nope definitely not but then you'll have to come down and do the trail and learn more about them oh she's good at this <laughs> uh, we couldn't have done this without the manx lottery trust um they have been so supportive of the whole project really and put Aaron traders of course who yeah are 100 behind us and of course we couldn't have done this without eve we would not be where we are today, Eve, without your help. And I just, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just, I am absolutely overwhelmed because they are absolutely everything and more that I could have wished for. I couldn't Aww. have asked for any better. This must be the best moment for you. <laughs> it's, it's so nice after all this time because um, we had extra lockdowns and all sorts of stuff. We, we had anticipated it to be finished by now, but here we are. We've got there in the end. And yeah, thanks to the Lottery Trust funding, we, the craft workshops at the launch event are free to attend as well. So um, anyone can come along and join in for free. And thanks also to Craftwork Studio, who let me use their space to make these amazing tiles, because I don't have a ceramics workshop of my own. And they really helped and supported and let me just go into their space and go wild. So that was amazing too. Saturday the 19th from 2 till 4 here at the railway station. Um, we'll be about, so if anybody wants to come up and have a chat to us about the tiles or even give us more names because we're, that's what we're planning to do in future is expand it from what we've got now so it's going to be an ever-evolving story. Um, so yeah, if you want to bring the children down, come down, do some colouring, um, have a chat with us, yeah, get this launched and get it out and get the kids out out and put Erin. Get this tile party started. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic community project brightening the village tile by tile and engaging families for many months to come. Many thanks to Julie Goldie and artist Eve Adams for telling us all about it. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now we head back down to Kensington Arts. It was only a matter of weeks that we caught up with the new creative coordinator at the centre. Already he has a fabulous and historically important event fast approaching. But being a creative himself, he's also spending his time this week on stage. My name's Peter and I am the Creative Development Coordinator at Kensington Arts. And we did just recently speak, obviously, about everything that's happening here at Kensington Arts. It is very exciting with your new role. And I should say, you're very busy this week anyway in Hunchback. How's it going, first of all? Yeah, the show's been amazing. We've had some fantastic audiences as well. So kind of don't want it to end, but it's been really enjoyable. Yeah. How you do that and this as well, I do not know. Congrats to you. I'm going tonight. I'm very excited. Um, anyway, let's come to an event that is uh, coming up because this this is a wonderful event that's happening. Yeah, so we've organised the event. It is kind of part of a larger, I guess, thing that's going on, which is LGBT History Month happens in February in the UK. So we wanted to do something to kind of commemorate and celebrate that. Um, but we decided between ourselves, me and my colleague Jenny Smith um, wanted to do a centre-wide event to celebrate um, LGBT History Month. And it also coincides with half term next week as well. So it worked out well. 
Excellent. So there's lots of arty, crafty people all coming together. Tell us what's happening, where and when. Yeah, it's going to be a busy day. So it's an all-day queer-friendly event at the centre. So we have, uh, from 11am in the morning, we have a queer artisan market. I think the Isle of Man's first queer artisan market, uh, where we've invited queer artists, queer-friendly businesses, and people who create queer-friendly art um, to come and sell their wares, as it were, or just kind of meet people from the community and network. Uh, We'll also have refreshments going on down in the basement. And then during the day from about 12 o'clock, we will have screenings of LGBT cinema, or I say cinema, it's kind of um, recordings of the Connections shows uh, that were focused towards the LGBT community in the past. Um, and then for from about 4pm until 6pm, Anna Klukas is going to be running a special art tank workshop um, kind of celebrating pride and LGBT history using some fact files that have been created about what it all means. Um, and then in the evening, very exciting evening program, we have um, a bunch of queer poets who are going to be doing some uh, queer, I say queer friendly poetry. I haven't actually heard the poems yet, but I think there may be some references in there. Very excitingly, um, a lot of the local drag queens are going to be doing a lip sync for your life performance and some private performances as well. And then in the evening, Soundcheck are doing a load of gigs. We've got loads of kids coming down uh, to perform. It's going to be great. Oh, this sounds so exciting. And we should say, of course, this isn't just for queer audiences, though, is it? Absolutely. It's a very inclusive event. It's for everyone. Um, It is kind of supposed to be championing the queer community and giving those people a platform. But I want everyone to be here, you know, bring your kids, bring your dog, bring everyone down. Um, It's really got something for everyone. So I hope I hope people show up and enjoy it. And why is this so important, an event like this? I mean, LGBT History Month, a lot of people don't know when it is. A lot of people know when Pride is in June. But LGBT History Month um, coincides with the abolition of Section 28 in the UK. Um, So it's really important for us in an education setting to be aware of that and to share kind of that history and what it all means because as much as we want to celebrate the queer community and the great things that have happened there are still a lot of struggles that people face even here on the island um, so it's kind of bringing an awareness to people there's lots of things happening in schools to bring awareness to it um, and we just want to do our part in something that we think will take off kind of year on year we want to do more and more of this kind of stuff. And it does feel like the creative queer community on the Isle of Man is flourishing and fabulous. Yeah, we definitely are. Um, it's, it's great since I've come back to just meet so many more people uh, involved in the artistic community. And hopefully they'll all be there on Saturday, the 26th of February here at Kensington Arts. Um, the first place open will be the dance studio to so use a side entrance on Kensington Road. But it's running up until 11pm at night, the stuff going on. So there are tickets available on kensingtonarts.im. It's my new website. Uh, you can also call the Welcome Centre or the Villa Marina to buy tickets. Or you can buy some on the door, but it's going to be me trying to go through all the tickets and I'll be stressed as it is. So anyone that can buy in advance would be really helpful, but also on the door is fine. Thanks to Peter Shimon there and break a leg to all those taking part in Hunchback of Notre Dame too. I'll be heading to the theatre this very evening and I cannot wait. There are a few tickets available here and there, so be sure to get yours before they all go. It does sound like a show you will not regret seeing. And now, Clever Shirts are a local band with a story. A rather long story. They started out in the mid-1980s playing legendary local venues like the Lido and up here at Douglas Head. Then they went their separate ways just a couple of years later. Then 35 years later, they decided they should reform. And they've been back in the studio. I caught up with the current members of the band on the Live Lounge this past Saturday. Now, I'm, I guess I'll come to you then, Paul, because Clever Shirts, you've got a, an interesting history on the go here. I said this is quite an interesting one because you were around in the 80s, mm-hmm. kind of mid to late 80s, playing at some of the 
absolute legendary venues over here on the Isle yeah. of Man that I, I hear tell of. And well. I know, and I never really got to go to them. I'm absolutely well, you gutted. What, you don't know what you missed. Oh, so... But you, you've come together again 35 years later. 35? 35 years. That makes me feel old. We actually tried it in 2012 to start with. Um, it didn't really work out at the time, but um, we thought before we get too old and too past it, we may as well try again. And we're glad we did now because we're writing some good stuff. Yeah. And so so how and why, and how did it come about, the reunion then? Why did you decide after 35 well, years? Well, was in a band in the 80s called The Time Bandits and they reformed, didn't they, and did a... Recording. Yeah, well, I was, I was studying. I wasn't actually in the band uh, in the 80s. Uh, their bass player couldn't do the gig, so I stepped in and I was down at a Red Lion studio and I heard a, a, it was a charity gig where there was a load of bands on. And a good friend of mine who owns the studio, Mark Cleeter, said, Oh, there's a Clever Shirts gig on there. I listened to it and I went, oh, That sounds good. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I asked him to burn me a copy of the, of the CD and um, distributed it out to the guys, sounded it out, made sure everybody was happy. We had some very humorous emails bouncing back towards uh, to and fro between us. We are, we are missing one of the guitarists, actually, from the 80s, Selwyn Collister. Oh, we? Selwyn, yeah. He didn't want to really get back into it, so... Oh. The rest of us did, and um, I said, it's, it's, we still incorporate probably 50% of the set is the old stuff, 50% is the new stuff, and they all complement each other really well, and we've all progressed as musicians over the years, and... It's uh, every puts uh, everybody puts their idea into the pot, and that's why we get the the, the great results, which, which yeah, I hope you'll agree with and hear shortly. So, Lee, then okay. give us a pot of history. Then, so how did you all come together in the first Ooh. place, and tell us a bit about playing back in those East days? Uh, well, well, I'm going to ha- I'm going to hand it back to uh, hand it back to Robbie because Robbie's the facts guy. I tend to forget things, to be honest, uh, and then Robbie <laughs> reminds me and says, "Yeah, that was the date," and I go, oh, "Okay, so yeah, I get it now." But I think it was. I mean, Robbie, chip in. It was '86, I think, late '86. It was early. It was click, click the band that me and you had been in had disbanded in the summer of '86, and um, Steve Gibbons were looking for a support slot, and with the three three original members of the Click was were still looking for a singer and a guitarist, and that's how Paul joined and, and Selwyn at the time. Um, we didn't put ourselves um, any time scale and everything, but basically we had to learn a set in about or come up with enough for a set to support Steve Gibbons within about five weeks so we we, the first the first song was actually written um, the Douglas Head Hotel which is no longer here and at the very first rehearsal and that was a song called Julie Horse which we still uh, play now yeah we, we, we supported Steve Gibbons after about six weeks of forming and it all happened it all went forward from then and we went to uh, Shap in Cumbria studio in November of the same year and we did our first ever uh, demo three songs a which a tape <laughs> which we actually came back here the same year in 86 and um, Manx Radio very kindly played our tape to uh, which we were very proud of so it will exist somewhere <laughs> it, it does beg the question though uh, because you were doing extremely well as Clever Shirts in the 80s um, you, you had a label interested in everything didn't we, you we, yeah we we played probably seven or eight times a month mm. sometimes TT we were playing two nights two gigs a night so we came quite, we became quite tight pretty quickly so um yeah, but it all came to a bit of a, an abrupt end at the Why? end of '87. Why did it come to an end, Paul? Well, I decided to go grape picking. <laughs> Is that in a France. euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> when we arrived in Bordeaux, um, 
it was May and they didn't start picking the grapes till the end of September apparently. So. Did you research then? Loads, yeah. No, we we, no internet, no, fair a, enough. Yeah, we yeah. ended up hitchhiking all the way back from France. And by that time you'd missed the, missed the record label opportunity. Well, yeah, the sort of spark had gone a little bit then. Oh, which is sad to hear. Um, we're getting lots of messages in for you, though. So uh, Texter Ending 791 says, uh, how would you describe the genre of music of Clever Shirts? Robbie, do you want to take that one? Well, I think I'm actually um, hand that over to uh, my lead guitarist, Lee, there, because he Go came on, up Lee. with a, fa- a fantastic uh, title <clears throat> to describe our type of music. Go on, Lee. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to describe our music. I think it's probably, we call it, probably jumping alternative rock or jumping guitar alternative rock that's kind of what it is that's our live feel but certainly it's got a, a jumping feel and i think you know come along to our live gigs and, and see how we uh, see how we roll and you have done a couple of gigs already so um robbie what would you say and of course you're on the scene anyway you play with may chalice and the, the dirty legends so what would you say how does the scene compare now to how it was back then in the 80s i still think that <clears throat> the, we don't have the venues uh, like we used to unfortunately however um i think over this last couple of years, the live music scene, there's more out there. Um, there's a, a few more places that have opened. And we our uh, comeback gig, if you, if you want to call it that, um, that we did in the railway oh, last February. Um, we wanted it to be special. We wanted it to work. We wanted everything to, to be right. And thankfully, it was we were overwhelmed with the amount of people that were in uh, the venue. I've never seen anything like it. We were like kids with a big grin on our face oh. and it was just... So. so did it feel like a continuation from where you left off or does it feel like brand new? No, there's definitely there's definitely a link there because obviously we're still doing the same music and yeah. we opened up that night with the first song that we ever wrote and I just remember looking across and everybody's got like a smirky little grin on their face like kids. Like, yeah, we played this back in 86 at the first gig and... It's little things like that, but you can't always dwell. You can't always look back to the, the the past. You got to look forward to the future. And the mix of audience that were in that night was, you know, eighteen year olds up to sort of our age group, and which they're all there singing, singing the songs and and, and knew the words. People which People remembered the songs as well, yeah. which shows it's a sign of a good song to me. Yeah. If it's remembered after thirty five years. That's amazing. Well, as Robbie said, uh, looking to the new, and you are recording new music, which is super exciting. So we're going to hear the track that we just mentioned a few moments ago uh, now, which is called Boulder. I think, Lee, you were nominated to talk about this a bit more. So just give, give us a bit of an introduction to Boulder. Yeah, so Boulder, I mean, it's, it's, it was a song that we, we kind of, as usual, we come up with a riff and idea. It, it, it was nothing more than that. Um, and so that's usually me and Rob that do that. And then we take it to Paul. He then puts his uh, his lyrics to it, um, and the idea was to get something that was just, as we said, you know, was 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 a message at the time, probably, um, but also something that give a bit of a. I mean, we probably felt at the time it was a bit of a gospel feel, dare I say it, uh, to it, and and you know whether it comes through in the song is is difficult to say, but that was kind of where we were headed with it. Um, we brought in some uh, female backing vocalists to help us along to get that feel, uh, which worked really well, um, and we had a great time recording it. Um, it's out uh, on all the, all the digital platforms next week. I think Saturday the 19th, I think it is. Super and exciting. And coincide with our next yeah. live gig as well. It's not easy when you feel like you're drowning. It's not easy when you feel like you're
adds a flavour of Clever Shirt's brand new single, Boulder. It will be released on Saturday night at Quids Inn, so get yourselves down there to enjoy that gig. Thanks to bandmates Lee, Paul, Robbie and Johnny for the conversation. You can head over to our Facebook and YouTube channels to watch the live session that the Clever Shirts performed for me while they were in the studio. That's it for this week. Don't forget to let us know about your artistic endeavours. You can email us spotlight at manxradio.com. We're back next week at 6pm with more creative musings from the tiny island. Until then, I've been Christy Dehaven. Have a great creative week. <laughs>